0: Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, an oral history of pro and college football. This episode, Stanford and Chicago Bears legend Bill McCall. Hi everybody, welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, celebrating pro and college football history. We're going to celebrate both here today with Bill McCall. I'm your host, Jackson Michael, author of The Game Before the Money Voices of the Men Who Built the NFL. That book is an oral history of football published by the University of Nebraska Press and features interviews with NFL greats such as Sonny Jurgensen, Bob Greasy, and Elvin Bethay. Another person who interviewed for that book was Frank Gifford. And you might also remember that I recently interviewed Hugh McElhenney via email for the Game Before the Money podcast. That was episode number 45. Frank Gifford starred at USC. Hugh McElhenney set all kinds of records at the University of Washington, and both were drafted in the 1952 NFL draft. But there was a third bright star in the Pacific Coast Conference, who was also a high draft pick in the 1952 NFL Draft, Stanford's Bill McCall. McCall won the inaugural Voight Memorial Trophy in 1951, awarded by West Coast football writers to the best college football player on the Pacific Coast. So that tells you right there what a great college football player Bill McCall was to win that award over Gifford and McElhenny. McElhenney finished second in that voting. McCall also won the award over another brilliant West Coast star, Ollie Madsen from the University of San Francisco. If you're curious how Bill McCall finished in the Heisman Trophy voting that year, in 1951, he finished fourth. Bill McCall was a two-time All-American at Stanford playing both offense and defense while he earned his degree as a pre-med student. He was drafted by the Chicago Bears in 1952 and played for the Bears for eight seasons, including in the 1956 NFL championship game. We're going to hear a lot of fantastic history from him on this program. One of the things that makes Bill McCall's story special is that he took pre-med classes at Stanford while he starred as an All-American. He went on to med school while he was playing for the Bears. Dr. McCall is going to share about how Bears owner coach George Hallis played a part in that. Dr. McCall later went on to do missionary work as a doctor, and we'll hear about that part of his story as well. Bill McCall was born in 1930 He grew up in San Diego during World War II. He remembers the city being camouflaged at night during the war. I asked him how he got into football, and I also learned that McCall was an exceptional all-around athlete.
1: The same way I got into baseball, track, and basketball happened to be the sport of the season, and that's how I got into football. I had letters in four sports. I made the all-state teams in football, basketball, and baseball the same year.
0: He added that he was only the second player in California prep history to make all-state in those three sports. The first was Glenn Davis, the 1942 Heisman Trophy winner from Army. Bill McCall attended... Hoover High School in San Diego, that's the same high school that baseball great Ted Williams attended. Although Williams was long gone and playing for the Red Sox by the time McCall was in high school, McCall did go up against another baseball legend in high school sports, however, that being future Yankees pitcher Don Larson. Larson is most famous for pitching a perfect game in the 1956 World Series.
1: Don was one year ahead of me, but we were the big men on the basketball team. He was at Point Loma, and I was at Hoover. Didn't play much baseball against him that I remember in high school, though.
0: McCall had many college offers and ultimately chose to attend Stanford on a football scholarship. He was also very serious about his studies. He wanted to become a doctor and chose to focus on football and his education more than the social aspects of college. The NCAA didn't allow freshmen to play varsity football at the time, but McCall immediately jumped into Stanford's starting lineup as a sophomore under head coach Marchie Swartz. That was in 1949, and McCall played both offense and defense for Stanford. Prior to the 1949 season, The Santa Cruz Sentinel called Bill, quote, one of the cleverest pass catchers to trod the sod this way in recent years, unquote. Stanford played very well in 1949. The team moved into the AP Top 20 with a victory over USC in early November and climbed to number 12 in the rankings going into a late November contest against Cal to determine the conference's Rose Bowl participant. Cal assistant coach Eggs Manske, a member of the 1940 NFL champion Chicago Bears, was quoted in the Santa Cruz Sentinel as saying that Bill McCall was the best lineman on the West Coast. Stanford fell to Cal and didn't make the Rose Bowl that year, but they pummeled Hawaii in the Pineapple Bowl, racking up 74 points In the bowl game, Bill's career at Stanford continued to blossom in 1950. He was named a preseason All-American and lived up to the hype as an outstanding receiver and defensive stalwart. In late November of 1950, Stanford faced third-ranked Army at home in the second-to-last game of the season. Bill recalls the game for us, a muddy, rainy affair.
1: That was in the 1950 season. Uh, it was a rainy day, and all the cars got stuck. And uh, what I remember about that is infant, for some reason or other, was wearing white. They were playing at home, and the Army was in black. And uh, I caught a lateral pass, and... All I saw ahead of me was about five black jerseys, and I don't know, I made two or three yards probably. Then I looked up, and three of the black men were Stanford players who had mud on their jerseys.
0: Army won that game seven to nothing. Stanford tied third ranked Cal the following Saturday to end the season. Bill excelled on both offense and defense and finished the year as a consensus All-American, an outstanding achievement for a junior playing on the West Coast in those days. Stanford finished 5-3-1 in 1950, and that turned out to be Coach Marchie Swartz's last season as head coach. McCall spoke about Coach Swartz and the upcoming coaching change after Stanford's 1950 season.
1: Coach Schwartz, uh, Mark Schwartz, was a wonderful individual, uh, but um, he didn't have a winning record. He retired at the end of our junior year, uh, but 1951, Chuck Taylor, who was the freshman coach when we were there, had gone to the 49ers for a year or two and came back and He was the varsity coach for the 1951 season.
0: You might be wondering, as I did, if that's the same Chuck Taylor that those famous shoes are named after. But Stanford's Chuck Taylor is a different Chuck Taylor. Stanford's Chuck Taylor played football at Stanford on their undefeated 1940 squad, coached by the famous Clark Shaughnessy. Taylor later played in the AAFC for the 1946 Miami Seahawks. Dub Jones was also on that 1946 Miami Seahawks team, and you can learn more about that team in the Dub Jones episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. That is episode number 17. Chuck Taylor worked for the San Francisco 49ers for two seasons, 1949 and 1950. And what's interesting about that fact is that he was an assistant coach for the 49ers in both the AAFC and the NFL. So that's one unique fact about Chuck Taylor, who became Bill McCall's coach at Stanford for the 1951 season. Another thing to know about Taylor is that he was just 31 years old at the time he was named Stanford's head coach. 1951 was a great year for Coach Taylor, Bill McCall, and Stanford football as a team marched to the Pacific Coast Conference title and a spot in the 1952 Rose Bowl. I will post an article remembering key moments in Stanford's 1951 season on the game before the money.com. The biggest win of that year for Stanford came on the road against Frank Gifford and USC. Bill remembers a bit of the game for us.
1: Stanford was on its game and was able to get some big plays. Bob Mathias was our fullback, but ran back uh, a kickoff for a touchdown.
0: Bob Mathias had previously won an Olympic gold medal in the decathlon in the 1948 Olympics. He returned that kickoff for a touchdown early in the fourth quarter against USC. Stanford scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, including the game-winning touchdown in the closing seconds for a 27-20 victory that made them the front runner to represent the Pacific Coast Conference in the Rose Bowl. Now, of course, the Pacific Coast Conference is now known as the Pac-12. By the way, the New York Times printed a great photo of Bill McCall leaping to catch a touchdown pass in that game against USC in the November 11th, 1951 edition of the paper. On page 5 of the sports section, which was page 213 of the entire paper, you can find that photo in the New York Times online archive if you have a subscription. You can also find a photo of Bill McCall during that time by doing a simple web search for the November 1951 cover of Sport Magazine. Stanford faced off against Illinois in the 1952 Rose Bowl. Bill McCall takes us into the Stanford locker room and tells us what Stanford coach Chuck Taylor told his team before taking the field at the Rose Bowl. And
1: he said something to the effect
0: that, man, we've
1: had a wonderful season, we've played well, we've had uh, a lot of fun, he says... I don't care today whether you win or lose as long as you have fun because the game of football is not worth playing unless you have fun. The
0: 1952 Rose Bowl got off to a good start for Stanford. Bill fills us in on the first part of the game.
1: We were ahead at halftime on 7-6. We were even with Illinois at the end of the third quarter until our quarterback.
0: After Stanford lost their quarterback, things fell apart late in the game and Illinois exploded for 27 fourth quarter points, setting a record for most points in a quarter during a Rose Bowl. That record was tied a couple of times before Penn State broke that record in the 2017 Rose Bowl with 28 points in a quarter against USC. After the 1951 season, Bill McCall was named a consensus All-American for the second year in a row. He was also handed the inaugural Voigt Trophy, which recognized the most outstanding college football player on the West Coast until the late 1970s. You might know the Voit brand for their sporting goods equipment, spelled V-O-I-T. I know there were quite a few void footballs and basketballs in our neighborhood growing up. With such accolades that Bill McCall had, you might think that McCall might be eyed as a first-round draft choice, along with fellow West Coast players Hugh McElhenney and Frank Gifford, both of whom were selected in the first round of the 1952 NFL draft from Pacific Coast Conference schools. Remember, though, McCall was enrolled in pre-med at Stanford. And by this time, he was already a first-year med student. McCall said he let teams know that, and George Hallis of the Chicago Bears understood he selected McCall in the third round of the 1952
1: NFL Draft. I wrote everybody and told them that I wasn't going to play football unless I could keep up my medical studies, and Hallis was the only one who accepted that. He called me and said, you know, I think we can work it out.
0: McCall says that George Hallis kept his word. He allowed McCall to prioritize his medical studies amidst his NFL career.
1: When I signed my contract with Hallis, I said, if medicine and football ever conflicted, I'd have to be able to stick with the medicine. And so he said yes. And so I missed a lot of meetings and so forth. But one time, just before we were going to play the Rams, he said, Bill, it's really important you come because we're playing the Rams the next week. I said, but George, you promised. And he said, yes, I did. You don't have to come.
0: The 1952 NFL Draft and subsequent 1952 NFL season spawned the careers of many NFL legends who started alongside McCall in that year's draft class. Players like Frank Gifford, Hugh McElhenney, Ali Madsen, Les Richter, and Gino Marchetti. All of those players played at West Coast Colleges, by the way, either in the Pacific Coast Conference or at the University of San Francisco. 1952 also marked the end of some legendary careers, including that of McCall's teammate Bulldog Turner. McCall shared his memories of the Hall of Fame lineman.
1: He wasn't the Bulldog Turner of yesteryear, but I played next to him for a period of time. But then he was also a coach at the same time for us.
0: Bulldog Turner and George Hallis weren't the only Bears legends that were around the team at that time. McCall's going to run down a list of a few names for us, including one Hall of Famer that was also a doctor who played for George Halas' Monsters of the Midway.
1: Red Grange was the color man, I guess, for the Bears at that time. And so I used to ride the bus and sit next to him. And Clark Shaughnessy was the uh, offensive coach. And Hugh Gallenow was a very close guy, plus Danny Fortman. Uh, Danny Fortman is in the Hall of Fame as a guard. He's also a doctor. And because he was a doctor and was a good football player, uh, Hallis realized that you could do both at the same time.
0: Dan Fortman had a similar arrangement with Hallis and the Bears, and also graduated from the University of Chicago's medical school. A 1943 article in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that Fortman had played the 1943 season while he was a doctor-in-residence at Presbyterian Hospital in Pittsburgh. Fortman missed football practice during the week and flew to play games for the Chicago Bears on Sundays. Hallis also worked out an agreement with John Siegel, to attend dental school at Northwestern during the 1940s. Some of the monsters of the Midway were also the medical practitioners of the Midway, Dr. McCall included. Bill McCall could also throw the football. In fact, he threw the longest pass of the 1956 NFL season, a 79-yard touchdown pass to Bears receiver Harlan Hill. The play happened at Yankee Stadium in a showdown between the Bears and Giants that turned out to be a preview of the 1956 NFL championship game. The Bears entered the fourth quarter of the regular season game down by 14 points, and McCall pulled the Bears to within seven with that big play that he remembers for us now.
1: I threw that pass, and then I got smashed. Rosie Greer hit me, and I was looking at the... Referee, and I said, uh, roughing the passer, roughing the passer. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, I heard a big cheer and realized that I'd thrown an 80 yard touchdown pass. <laughs> <laughs> but I was concerned more with being roughed up by Rosie Greer uh, just after I threw it. <laughs>
0: The Bears tied the game soon afterwards. Harlan Hill made a magnificent catch on a pass from quarterback Ed Brown. You could often find the video of that diving catch online. Chicago's 14 fourth quarter points tied the game at 17, and that's how things ended that afternoon. The 1956 NFL championship game at Yankee Stadium wasn't nearly as close as the Giants stormed to a 27-7 halftime lead and defeated the Bears 47-7. Dr. McCall said that it just wasn't the Bears' day that day. He added that some people think that the 1956 NFL championship was similar to the 1934 NFL championship game that's famously referred to as the sneakers game in which the Giants wore basketball shoes instead of cleats to get better traction on an iced-over field while the Bears fell about the place, slipping on ice with their football cleats. McCall says that, despite the rumors, that was not the case with the 1956 NFL championship and that the Bears' equipment manager provided an array of footwear for the 1956 game.
1: Supposedly, it was duplicating the icy field of 20 years before that, and that the, the Giants supposedly wore tennis shoes and the Bears didn't. But that isn't really true. The Bears had six different types of shoes in our bag for the game, and different people wore different kinds. But I really remember was that the Giants were playing well and we played poorly. <laughs> we fumbled and made recover. <laughs> we, we, we throw a pass and made a reception. And so uh, anyway, I just think that some days you're on, some days you're off, and it was a day that the Giants were on. And the Bears were
0: off. McCall finished both 1955 and 1956 as the Bears' second leading receiver behind Harlan Hill, who was named the NFL's MVP in 1955. Bill McCall continued his medical training while playing for the Bears. In 1958, he led the Bears in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdown receptions. His eight touchdown receptions tied him for third in the NFL behind Raymond Berry and Tommy McDonald, two Hall of Fame receivers that ended up with only one more touchdown catch than McCall that season. The following season, 1959, was Bill McCall's eighth and final season in the NFL. He played sparingly in his final season and retired from pro football to practice medicine after finishing med school. And his orthopedic residency after retiring from football dr mccall went to korea to do missionary work as a doctor he tells us about that work now
1: once i finished my education i decided to spend two years over in korea just after the korean war as a medical missionary of the Presbyterian church I did a lot of work with leprosy, which was one of the problems in Korea. Also, um, working in a hospital, that was a general hospital. Then there was a special uh, children's hospital, and I did the orthopedics, uh, did operations, and so forth.
0: Bill McCall, a tremendous football player and a tremendous man, doing foreign missionary work as a doctor. Another interesting fact about Dr. McCall is that one of his sons also played football at Stanford and in the NFL, and he also became a doctor. Milt McCall played linebacker for Stanford, and according to sportsreference.com, he played in 11 games in both the 1979 and 1980 seasons. He then played for the San Francisco 49ers under Bill Walsh.
1: He got accepted in the Stanford Medical School the same week that he made the 49ers.
0: Now that is one heck of a week. Even better, the 49ers won the Super Bowl in Milt McCall's rookie season. Milt McCall won two Super Bowls with the team before ending his career playing one season with the Raiders. He also balanced med school with playing in the NFL. Like father, like son. Both Bill McCall and Milt McCall played eight seasons in the NFL. Looking back through the years, Bill McCall says that he fondly remembers George Hallis and his pro football career.
1: Oh, I think it was just a wonderful experience. George Hallis was uh, one of the great men of my life, and uh, if I could do it again, I'd do it again.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. A special thanks to Dr. Bill McCall for interviewing for the Game Before the Money. And a special thanks to Mrs. McCall for helping set up the interview. Future episodes of the Game Before the Money podcast include 49ers Hall of Fame linebacker Dave Wilcox and American Football League legend Lionel Taylor. Remember that transcriptions of some podcasts and many football history articles are available at thegamebeforethemoney.com. Transcriptions are powered by our transcription partner Sonix. That's S-O-N-I-X. Visit Sonix.ai to learn more about their automated transcription services.